0: Hello everybody, it's good to be back on the air again as usual, this is Pastor Iris and today I'm, I've i got a, a very special friend in the studio with me, well that's not true because I'm actually in the home again of Pastor King James, <laughs> the first, <laughs> going to get the first in, it's not actually the first is it, but know. you are the first. I'm just one of them. <laughs> Um, say hello to the people.
1: Hi everyone, Hi. I hope you're doing well.
0: Have you had a good week?
1: Yes, especially after this um, storm on Sunday. We oh, very... wasn't
0: that bad? It was, but
1: oh. thank God it didn't stop us from going to church. I mean, we still That's went good. to church and enjoyed yeah. the service. And That's good. That was the good. roof stayed on. It did. <laughs> <That. laughs> but, uh, you know, our heart goes for those who probably may have lost some home, because I saw on internet a um, a house that literally went completely down. Gosh. the side of the house straight away what, f- fell
0: down.
1: No, I think up up somewhere in the up north, north, yeah, the north region. So yeah, we keep we should always keep praying for those who, who those get affected by this. Um, yeah. I've
0: got a, a daughter and a bigger part of my family in on the North Devon coast, on right yeah. on that coastline, which is where that gale came in. That night, it was worse at that night, that first mm. night, than it was yeah. the night before. And my daughter was really worried about her roof. And they've just had, had the house done. Mm. <clears throat> it's one that they, they bought, and they wanted to sell it and come back mm. to Kent. And um, one thing led to another, and I think they were sort of hanging on to it. Yeah. <laughs> she was really worried. They were up all night, and they did get a, a little leak. Well, but it just shows you, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the so night before had been fine. It is
1: indeed God that is keeping us.
0: Life is a bit like that, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. You don't know what's going to happen.
1: That's why we need to always remind ourselves that we are saved by grace, and by grace alone. Absolutely. It's only Absolutely. by
0: grace. I mean, I I know that uh, we were talking earlier that, um, you know, we go running around. We think we've got to go running around, standing on street corners, Shouting at people, be saved, you know, be Mm -hmm. saved. Mm. Well, we don't because God has already ordained who he will give his salvation to. There's actually a verse on that in the Bible.
1: Is there really?
0: Yeah, and it actually takes the pressure off because God has not only ordained what he's, he's doing in everybody's life before we're even born, he has actually ordained who he will give his salvation too.
1: I, I might have a different view to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it may, may not want to hear but, my view. But
0: it, but <laughs> it, you know, some yeah. people don't recognise it or turn their back on it. That is different. Yeah. I was going to ask you. You know, you was mentioned earlier on grace. Yeah. Grace of God. Yeah. And I think that's possibly what what it's all about, because we have the right to refuse God gave everybody a free will and
1: and 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 that what you just said now is the the word free will is why I say I have a different view to that mm. that it really doesn't matter who God has ordained to to be saved. if the person chooses not to be saved, there's nothing God can do about that, and that's what I'm trying to say. In other words, or indirectly, what I'm trying to say is that God can't actually force anyone to be saved, or, or else then He becomes not a fair ju- God, a fair judge, and because He has to give grace and mercy and give these things, all of them are free gift to all of us, and we could look at lots of that in the scripture. The best scriptures for these things is Romans chapter four, chapter five, chapter three tells us quite a lot about this, um, even all the way to yeah, chapter 6, a little bit less, but more of chapter 4 and 5, talks about it's a gift, it's a gift, it's a gift. And it's now up to the individuals to choose it. What I would say, maybe in, the, in, in relationship to what you mentioned, is that God knows who. You could say God knows who will be saved because he's omniscient, he's... He is all-knowing God.
0: That's right. Yeah, He's all-knowing. Right.
1: So God knows who will be saved and who will reject. Maybe that—that that I will say yes to, but whether that God then picks and chooses who will say yes or no, I don't think that will be correct based on free will. If if the fact that I can give, I can freely choose my will not to receive the gift of salvation. And regardless of if God wants me to be saved or not doesn 't change anything and the scripture just tells us that it is the god's it is the will of the Father that all men might come to the knowledge of His Son Jesus, based on scriptures like that tells me God wants everyone saved, uh, but whether everyone will receive is another thing, but maybe since we talk, you mentioned grace, maybe it 's a good subject to talk about um, and and because sometimes what it is is that we Think, we think we could actually work to to be saved. You know, it's something we do that makes us saved. You know, it's it's our own work or own responsibility. Trying to
0: buy salvation, but thank really? you. Yeah. And
1: and and Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, deals with this very 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 well. Jesus dealt with it as well, but he didn't teach so much about it. He mentions it here and there. A good place where he mentioned it is, is John chapter six, verse twenty eight and twenty nine, where he says, "No, just all that God wants you to do is just believe, just believe, and that's it. Once you believe, is fine. Um, when I say it's fine, it's the starting journey of the of the Christians' um, um, work to 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 what God wants us to be. So, but maybe if we could look at the the the, the what am I would like to call maybe only by grace that we are saved only by grace? What does he mean to say that we are only saved by grace um, it's interesting that when paul there's a there's a scripture that comes to my mind i don 't know if by with your permission we could look at that scripture maybe now and I'll just read it out to our audience um, it's almost like Paul said this thing, and if you take that scripture I'm about to read in Individually, without it, not in context, you will think that Paul is actually pro, promoting that we are going to work out our salvation. Let me read it: Philippians chapter two, verse twelve. Uh-huh. Yeah. Philippians chapter two, verse twelve. Oh. <laughs> Philippians chapter two, verse twelve. I nearly <laughs> put my tongue there. <laughs> Therefore, he says, "My, brood, my beloved." As you have always obeyed, not as in my presence alone, um, only, but now much more in my absence. He now says this, and we quote it what a lot walk out your, sal- your own salvation with fear and, and trembling. trembling. Oh, so he yes. says, walk out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, I just, I will pause there because when you read that. Alone, it sounds to me like Paul is saying that you have to work out your salvation. In other words, it's you that is going to determine whether you're going to be saved or not. Do you understand you know what I'm saying? That's what that sounds like.
0: Do you think that's why Paul called it our hope? Because we hope that we will get there. We hope that we'll, we'll be saved. or we, Because it's a substance of faith, isn't it? Hope is a substance of faith. <laughs>
1: Yes, a faith so is a substance of hope. Of, yeah, faith actually, it's the other way, hope, yeah. way
0: around. Yeah. So when he talks about it's your hope, mm. then we have to have faith that what God has said we have to do. So we do you think we have to then hold on to that faith to explain what you've just said to, in, in a roundabout way?
1: Okay. To th- that we have to. Let me see if I understand your question. Um, That we have to hold on to our faith, yeah, to do what? Sorry, could you say
0: that? To work out our salvation.
1: Okay, I don't think so. That's what it is. Having said that, most of what we're going to talk about in the area of salvation has to do with faith. And it's important that you hold on to your faith. So that's why your question is not that simple for me to answer because Uh it has something to do with it, but not entirely. Okay. What Paul is dealing with here is, first of all, he made this comment, and I'm on purpose mentioning just that particular verse, 12, first of all, just to to emphasize that sometimes when people read scriptures out of context, Read a verse out of context, it could mean a whole lot something that is different from what the, the person yes. is actually saying.
0: Exactly, especially when they only take half of verse.
1: Thank you. And th- this is even one verse, you have to read to the next verse. Mm-hmm. I, I let me say something in just at this junction. Whenever someone sometimes that happens, my wife will maybe sometimes say to me, Oh, I don't understand this verse. Can you? explain this verse. I said, okay, fine. Read the verse before. Read the verse after. You always get the meaning by reading the verses before and then maybe immediately the verse after that particular verse. That gives you an idea of context. Okay. So, let's look at that. It will seem very contradictory for Paul to be preaching that you have to work out your salvation because Paul is the same person in the book of Colossians chapter 2 saying don't let anyone hold you down again by telling you don't taste, don't eat, don't touch, don't dis- let no one bound you again. Paul was the same one that was talking to the people in Galatia and saying to them, listen, who have put you back again into this law when God has already saved you by his grace? Who has, who's forcing you again to try to go into circumcision when you don't actually need it? So Paul cannot be contradicting himself. I'm preaching again that you need to work out your salvation when he's already been saying, no, your salvation is for free in the book of Romans. And I've just read for us Philippians, which is actually written later after the book of Romans. Anyway, um, now let's look at what Paul is actually saying. Before we could do that, Let's look at the actual meaning of salvation. Yes, what does it? Yeah, that's a good place to start yeah. because sometimes you, if Paul says "work out your salvation," is it actually us working out our salvation? That's a question we're going to try to answer. What is salvation? Salvation, actually, according to the dictionary, is in, in Christianity it says salvation is the fact that Christ has saved a person from evil. Even dictionary explains this yeah. uh, um, that the fact. I like the word "fact" there. That, 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 in other words, it means that it really did happen. <laughs> it's not um, a figment of someone's mm. imagination. It's actually the thing that really happened. That Christ that saved a person from evil. Okay, to take note of that, Christ saved a person from evil. That's what salvation is. Of course, second number two of salvation, according to the dictionary, says salvation is. Of someone or something is the act of saving them from harm, destruction, or any unpleasant situation. Harm, destruction, or any unpleasant destruction. Now, if we're saying, work out, if Paul was actually saying, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, then that means you have the power within you to save yourself from harm, destruction, and any unpleasant. Um, situation and also to save yourself from evil. Mm -hmm. So this brings me to a question. The first question here is can we really save ourselves? Mm -hmm. Can we, can human beings really save ourselves from evil? Does any human being have the power to save themselves from Satan? The answer to that is no. No human being without Christ is powerful enough to face any demon or the de- angel or any being beyond our own realm.
0: That's right. Absolutely.
1: Okay. Yeah. We are literally powerless when it comes to the realms of the spirit. The only thing that gives us the power is Christ himself. Mm-hmm. So in other words, number one, we can save ourselves. The answer to the question: We can save ourselves, and the second answer to that is that why can't we? If we can, if we agree now that we can save ourselves, so why can't we save ourselves? Is because only God can save mankind. The only one that can save mankind from evil is God Himself. Okay, now before I said all that, so I will now read the verse thirteen. And you could see what Paul was trying to get to. Even Paul have just said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Yeah? Verse 13. Listen to what Paul said For it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. That's right. So it feels contradictory that you tell me, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God. For the word for there is because. It's like saying, work out your salvation because God is the one saving you. In other words, that work out here is not work within your own power. It is actually aligned to whatever God is going to do through you or want to do um, with you. Why do I say that? He says, for it is God who is working in you. So it's not actually me working. It's actually God working in us to bring us to the place of salvation.
0: Yeah. 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 say
1: that. Yeah. He works in you. Two things God works in us. The will. He gives us the will. And then also helps us to do his good pleasure. In the Amplified Version, he says, not in your own strength. It starts straight away. Work out your salvation through fear and trembling not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energising and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to do his own good pleasure and satisfaction and delight.
0: That's brilliant, isn't it? And, and I also, the way I see that that particular emphasis in fear and trembling is if, if, if he was talking to an unruly church or group of people mm. and they have been doing things in their own strength, you just be very careful because that is not what God has told you to do and mm. you can't do it that way. You mm. need to be listening to God. Mm. That type of instruction.
1: Yes. The, it, the instruction here is... Jerry, it's, it's, if I must rephrase what Paul is saying in these two verses, I will rephrase it like this. Pay close attention to what God is doing in you. Amen. Because whatever he's doing in you is that what God is doing in you is that he's trying to bring you to the place where you do his good pleasure
0: yeah
1: i'll say it again if i rephrase it it will be pay close attention that is fear and trembling walk out with fear and trembling pay close attention to what god is doing in you and what god is doing in you is that he's bringing you to the place where you do his good pleasure that's right that's right that is verse 12 Mm -hmm. and verse 13 of philippians 2 summarized or paraphrased yeah. in a way that it makes easier to understand. Yeah,
0: so it's a warning.
1: It's a, it's a warning, but also yeah. a direction, a kind of a teaching. It's, it's not just a warning because it's good news. I see it as good news. What makes it a good news? God is yes. working in you.
0: Yeah.
1: And this is not going to be done by your own strength, it is going to be done by God in you, through you, to please him. So, it, it, this brings a scripture to my mind. What that scripture that says, no flesh will glory in the presence of God. It means that nothing produced by our flesh can actually be pleasant, pleasant to God. Another scripture that mm-hmm. supports what I just said now is where Jesus, was it Jesus has said, that our righteousness, I'm not sure if it's Jesus, sorry, our righteousness is as filthy, I think it's the psalmist, Our righteousness is as filthy as a rag before him. Yes. So in other words, even our self-righteousness, what we could, you know, what self-righteousness here means, um, you know, for example, let me bring it home so that people can understand. If I decide, you know what, it's a nice thing to give alms to to those who don't have. It's a nice thing to give a cup of water for someone who's thirsty. Yeah? And I choose to do that. That is a good thing. But if I'm doing it, not being led by the Spirit and not in Christ, but what maybe any other person, any person who's not in Christ is doing, those self-righteousness is as worthless to him. That's what it means. Okay, but let me not move into that too okay. much. Let's come back into the main point we're talking about. So, if you read that whole scripture in context, you find that Paul is trying to encourage us, and then this is what. He goes further to now say in verse fourteen. Do everything without complaining and arguing, so that no one can criticize you. Live live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright light in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then, on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud. That I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. That's just giving a whole picture of what Paul was talking about. But if you look at that verse 12 and verse 13, work out your salvation, not in your own strength, because God is the one working in you. So which simply means pay close attention. To what God is doing in you. And how he is helping you to be more like him. This also relates to people who don't know God.
0: Yes, of course. Obedience, (laughs) isn't it? To the Christian. Yes. It it uh, is
1: relevant to Christians. But I will show you that it is actually also relevant to those who don't know God.
0: Yes, that's
1: right. I'll show you. Why do I say that? Because Paul is saying, watch again. He says, what God is doing is that it's at work in you. Energizing and creating in you. The power and desire, take note of those two words, power and desire and to will and to do. How God, this brings a question, how does God work out our salvation? How does God create salvation in people? How does God bring someone who never knows God, who doesn't know God? I was once a sinner. How did God bring me to the place where I got? I am now saved? And I love him, and I want to be with him. And I and I and I go feel if I go a day or two without praying, I feel like no, no, there's something missing. How did God bring me to that place? Is there an automatic thing? How does that happen? How does God bring? We started this conversation by saying that that not everyone is saved, but I believe maybe not everyone is saved yet. But how will God bring someone who is not saved? to the place where they actually start.
0: He works very hard at it, doesn't he? I mean, he brings <laughs> them across your path at just the right time oh. or brings us across somebody's path at just oh. the right time. And I love, there you I love, have
1: it. You just said it. God works very hard on this. Mm. You mentioned one of them. He brings someone along your path. Two things that God does. We already read it there. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do. He does those two things. That is desire and action. He creates the desire in us. He brings us to the place where we desire the good thing. And then He also helps us to do those good things. What it means is that in total, everything we actually do for God, we cannot actually brag about it. Because He brings the desire in us, first of all, and He helps us do it. This is why I would say, what I'm talking about is, I can call this only by grace. There's nothing at all we do, it's not by grace. Now, does that mean I don't wake up in the morning to pray a few hours? I do, but it's still by His grace. That's right. Does that mean I don't spend time to read the Bible? I do, but it is by His grace. Why? Because God puts the desire in me and then He gives me the strength mm-hmm. to do it. Mm-hmm. I can't take credit for it. That's right. Um,
0: in other words, you- if you wake up, you think, oh, it's a bit early. <laughs> You know, I'm so tired. I had a bad night. <laughs> and the, then suddenly you just pick up your Bible and go for it and then you the, wake up. The
1: the fact that you actually have the my point is that the fact that you even have the desire in the first place. That's
0: right. Is a gift. Absolutely. From
1: God. That's Absolutely. what Paul is trying to talk about. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned that you before most of us were saved unless you were born a Christian uh,
0: Oh of course <laughs> yes <laughs> Don't tell <told> me so <laughs>
1: um, yeah before most of us were saved what happened to us is that someone he brings someone along a path or some television program or some newspaper or some testimony those testimonies, those informations, those preachings and teachings, what they, God is using to, with those things to do is to create, the first, first of all, the desire. Mm. The desire. Mm. The desire to think, hmm, you know what, I would actually like to go to heaven. A person who has lived their life all the while never thinking about heaven and hell, and all of a sudden, a message comes along, it just implants an idea in them mm. that heaven is going to be beautiful. Eternity with God is going to be amazing. Life in Christ is going to be awesome. That desire is implanted. It might take a year. It might take two. It might take 20 years. But that desire never goes. If they nurture it, the more they nurture that desire, the more I hang around people who nurture that desire, the individual will eventually come to salvation.
0: Yes.
1: Why? Because our desire leads our actions.
0: That's right.
1: It is hard for us to do things that we never really thought of, that we never really, even if it's consciously or, you know, mm-hmm. what they call subconscious, it, you know, beyond our conscious mind, is usually what we think of that we end up doing.
0: Yeah, because I, think you, I know you're right there, because anybody that doesn't really or hasn't yet met Jesus mm-hmm. would look at that as a spiritual Apparition, ghostly, scary, mm. and uh, outside-the-body type of experience, mm. which is absolutely, totally illogical, yeah. and could be also that person's not in their right mind, <laughs> speaking to me like that. Yeah. And, and I can understand that when people are around, that anointing, it permeates and softens...
1: We think God is not scientific. He, people think God is just spiritual. And we don't know that everything that God is, is scientifically could be proven if we have the knowledge to Understand what he's That's doing right. it's not and just how he's doing.
0: fiction. Is it's it? not
1: a fiction, it's actually, it, it, it does, it's literally could be scientifically proven. Either some chemicals in your body kicks in and then it, it reacts with a chemical in your body, and the other chemical that helps your brain to think a certain way. And then, it, God works, He created this, He made our DNA. So, Christians who believe that God is a creator, you have to believe that He's that detailed to create a DNA. The language in our DNA is just ridiculous. The codes in our DNA, is the, the detail of it is way too much. So we need to understand that we serve such a God that is very detailed
0: well, in know, what he's doing. There is one, and, sorry. Uh, There's one on. thing that's so obvious on that DNA. Mm-hmm. We can't change our DNA, but no. we can change our genes. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't change the, the DNA. Yeah because the two work slightly differently.
1: Yeah, but the point I'm making with the DNA is that a God who could create that, that level of intelligence, <laughs> yeah. that level of intelligence yeah. is, is not going to be foolish or stupid when it comes to touching the heart of a person, bringing a person to a place where they could desire something that is good and then follow through with that thing that is good, which is what Paul is saying. Yeah. God is working in you, both to will, and to do his good pleasure. Do you think that God will be vague in what he's doing? No. It is all planned. It's all staged. He knows the right person to bring your way. He knows the when you're going to meet that guy on the bus. He knows the right person who's going to come to you when someone slaps you in the face. He knows when you're going to have an accident. The right doctor you're going to meet. The, 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 you told me That's a story right. before you started. Right. The word that you entered in. Right. He planned every single thing. The people you spoke to. The people who spoke to you. He is... It's
0: all networked together.
1: God is working in all of us, both to will and to do. Now, this Mm -hmm. does not negate people's will to receive. I could desire something good, but I could work against that and still do opposite of what I desire. But at least I'm trying to say that our desire is what brings our action. And that's how God works out our salvation. So... Running, I know we're almost (laughs) running out of time. Are we?
0: Yeah, we got one minute.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, maybe just to just to mention the the main point here. I'm trying to make here is this: is we can't save ourselves. Okay, not not in a million years. The devil is way too strong for us. Any any spiritual realm is way too strong for any human being. So you have to only depend on God for salvation. That's one. Two. But how does God do it? God does that by giving us the desire. He puts the desire in us. He does it in lots of ways. You could sit in the park looking at the beds. And all of a sudden, the way the bed's just taking off gracefully, flies and just moves from one tree to another tree. All of a sudden, you start thinking about your problem. Why am I still in this same situation? Why can't I just get up and leave this, this work and join the other work? It just That's how he does it. And then before you know it, that thought leads to your action of moving that job, going to internet to research for a new job. And yes, so that's one. Two, what can we then do if we can save ourselves? And it's God that saves us. I just want to quickly mention the three things we could do is number one, we can receive salvation. It's a free gift. Just receive it. When that desire is in your heart, let God lead you all the way through. If you're listening to this and you're not saved, or you know someone who's not saved just encourage them to go through with that thought that they have in their heart. I, I was listening to the radio the other day of a, a, a terrorist, an Islamist terrorist, who was already planned his attack and he's going to go through with it. But guess what? He started having this second thought. Mm. started having this second thought and he just followed through with that second thought just to prove that he is that thought was coming am I really really pleasing God mm. with this and that thought led him to end up being a Christian
0: yeah amazing abandoned
1: amazing. his terrorist plan plot that he was going to attack here in UK Yeah, I was listening to LBC radio and the guy said this and I was like wow yeah. Yeah. it's amazing how God puts the thought in us and leads us all the way so first Receive salvation. Two, humble yourself before God. And three, hold on to his word. And that's how we work out our salvation through fear and trembling.
0: An amazing way just to leave this session (laughs) for today. But I know you're going to be back. And um, just for our listeners' sake, we will be continuing with whatever God puts on our hearts. So we say bye-bye for now.
1: (laughs) Bye-bye.